Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm going to talk to you about a topic that I think is important to a lot of people. Um, In my group I have, oh, I don't know, about 74 riders from about 16 different states and there are um, several with some really nice 1D horses and there's several with some really nice 2D horses. The bulk of my members are probably more 3D or 4D and learning as well, but that's really common in everywhere that you go in barrel racing. That's why I think it's important that you can um, teach from the beginner to the pro level, from the just getting started to the 1D rider and horse. And um, if you go to a super show, you will notice that the bulk of the times fall in that 3D bracket, the one second out division. There'll be not as many up at the top in the 1D or the 2D. And today's topic is about that. Today is talking about the uh, maintenance and the efforts and the process that goes into 1D to 4D. Now, I don't, I'm not saying the cost of the horse matters, and I'm not saying that if you truly love being um, with your horse and you truly love just going to barrel racing and enjoying it at the you and your horse doing your personal best, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And a lot of people are really happy just in the 4D or the 3D. They have no aspirations to sell their horse if their horse is not going to be a 1D level horse and move on to another horse. Now that's not always the case. I've known many professionals over the years, um, right down from when I was in high school, my high school sweetheart's mom went to the NFR. Um, When we got engaged, she's actually made it to the NFR twice with two different horses. Um, And a lot of those type of people, they're only going to give six months to a horse to see if they've got 1D potential. And they they kind of know what they're looking for. It's not that they don't love horses, but this is a business for them. They're competitive. Their goal is 1D or WPRA period. Um, most people are totally fine with whatever division their horse maxes out in and they're just enjoying their horse. But if you are that person, um, you may be that person that sells a horse in a six months or a year and moves on. Now, I'm not saying all horses are going to show their full potential in six months or a year. Anyone who's trained horses long enough knows that it takes years to train a horse, not months. But there are occasionally those naturals that after they have a solid foundation um, that come on quickly and you will know if they've got the athletic ability, if you've been around it enough as a trainer or competitor you will know if they have that athletic ability and heart and and just the talent overall to be a 1D or 2D level horse. Um, now others are, can be very much late bloomers and um, you have to take that into consideration, but some competitors are not going to wait around for that late bloomer, especially if you are a futurity person or if you are a pro rodeo person. You have a schedule that you're trying to stay with where another person might be able to take two or three years and getting a horse solid that may need more time. So with that said, um, I'm going to discuss a few things just to think about. And like I said, if you are running 4D and you're happy or 3D and you're happy, um, if you're running at 
shows that you get ribbons and trophies and you're happy versus uh, jackpots where you win money or buckles or saddles at super shows and, and district shows and year in things or uh, world shows or state shows. Or if you, you know, are just doing open rodeo instead of pro rodeo. All of those things are perfectly fine. Whatever makes it true to your heart, wherever you are the happiest. But I'm not telling you to be a 1D competitor, you need to go out and buy a $100,000 horse. Now, mind you, in the pro level, there are those horses, but I've made 1D and 2D horses from $2,000 and made them worth $20,000. You know, you have many people out there that can pick up a horse that has quality bloodlines and maybe athletic look and they're young and unbroke or green broke and then finish out their basics and pattern and season and you know only have spent two or three thousand to buy them and eventually they do become a 1d or 2d horse and that's an awesome thing when that happens so you don't necessarily have to have money if you put in the effort and um you and the horse are a good combination so I do want to talk about though the effort that goes into a 1d level horse versus say the horse that you're just going to jackpot maybe twice a month in the 3d you know it is a different level Um, I can tell you when I went really hard you're almost breaking even um I've listened to NFR girls, ladies over the years say that they'll set aside $50,000 just to rodeo on that year and then they're not making a profit until they get to the NFR, even with sponsors. But there's a lot of overhead, a lot of expenses going down the road. You have your truck and trailer, fuel maintenance, spending places overnight, you know, hookups, stalls, um, pastures, you know. There's a lot, not to mention how much extra monthly care goes on in addition to your entry fees and your diesel and your maintenance on your vehicle. You've got a lot more maintenance on your horse. Um, If you're hauling at pro rodeo level or 1D level to all the big super shows, you're probably seeing a vet monthly, chiropractors, massage therapists, possibly swimming your horse, lasers. Um, you may be going to therapeutic uh, facilities and getting certain treatments on your horse to keep them at their best um, monthly. You might be um, spending a whole lot more money with just your maintenance supplements. You know, if you're they're getting monthly Adequan or Legends and you know, you're having the vet keep a close eye on them through x-rays and ultrasounds that they're not going to bow a tendon or, you know, uh, tear a suspensory or overstress a muscle or, you know, feeling some swelling or heat in a joint. Um, there's a whole heck of a lot more expenses just on your monthly care when you're going a lot, when you're hauling a lot. You know, if you're only going to 20 20 barrel races a year, 30 barrel races a year versus someone who's going to 80 or 90. That's a whole different level of upkeep and expense. The other thing is um, the 3D or 4D barrel racer might not need to put as much effort into their day-to-day conditioning. They might ride two or three days a week and then go barrel race on the weekend. Um, 
where the other competitor who's trying to be conditioned for 1D might be riding for five days a week. Um, again, if you're competing, they may just be keeping them fit three days a week if they're running all weekend long and having a couple days off as well. But they may be doing extra things like stretching and poultices and icing their legs and laser therapies and extra treatments, beamers and such um, during the week though to prepare them to feel their best on the weekend for competitions. Um, those people may also be spending more money at the vet getting injections and getting more checkups to make sure that their horse, um, and they're not just seeing their backyard vet, they're going to the hospitals where they have sports medicine vets who specialize in lameness evaluations and um, competition and performance horses of all different disciplines. Um, and again, like I mentioned, they may be recommending they take them to different facilities that swim horses and, and um, do different therapies for them. Um, there's other people out there doing acupuncture and things like that for the horses to keep them feeling good. So you have to think about that. And then you also have to look at... Um, the people that are, are dead serious, they're going to be giving their horses the best quality hay, um, the best feed. They might be um, keeping the bulk of their diet quality hay, but then they might be tweaking, you know, 5% of that diet in um, things that they might need special, like a joint supplement or ulcer or uh, respiratory or calming, whatever that individual needs as a little bit special. So again, their their expense monthly may cost them more just because they have to have more care. Maybe even before a run, they're using the breathe right patches on the nose or the um, uh, life wave patches on the stifles or the necks or the hocks or... Um, they may be spending more money on um, laser boots and ice boots and all that pre and post uh, competition, um, those kind of things. So, you know, it's just a lot more in it. And I really believe the 1D horse uses their body a lot harder than maybe the 4D or 3D horse that can go in there and, and do a safe sound run where the 1D horse is kind of letting it all hang out. And not in all cases. I mean, a 3D horse can slip and, and get soared up real easy too. Um, and they can get sore if it, from working hard as well. But there is a certain level of letting it all hang out that the grit of the 1D true Wendy level horse has that they they might take care of themselves but they're also pushing themselves because they're competitive as well and they're giving 110 percent out there at top speeds you know so those are things to consider as well additionally um a pro level barrel racer is really planning out their schedule when they're going to run, when they're going to rest their horse. Um, they're really, when they go and they choose what, what places they're entering, they're probably choosing based on if their horse does well there, the ground conditions, the arena type, um, if it's what will get them to their next goal of qualifying for something bigger or the monies that they need for some specific thing, whether that be divisional tour and WPRA or the American or 
you know, uh, the incentives, those kind of things. Um, it's a whole game plan that they map out their year well in advance. Um, they also really analyze the arenas before and have a pre-game plan. And that's something um, to consider as well. They know how to warm their horse up and, you know, not changing things up, but the same basics that the horse would know at home, the same routine the horse would know always. Um, but knowing how to make sure when you warm that horse up that they're being sensitive to their cues and focus on you so that when you do ask them for everything, they're saying, yes, ma'am, and paying attention to you. Um, that's something that is really important as well. Um, not just your conditioning during the week, but how you warm up and those valuable moments of your mental game and their mental game just before you run. That is so important. Um, when you get to that level, mental toughness becomes a huge part of whether you win or not. Um, the fact that you didn't override or choke on being tensed or pressured and go in there and, and be stiff or heavy handed or anything like that, but you stayed calm and confident for your horse and focused on riding to your spots and doing your job so that the, your horse could perform their very best. Um, those are also really important things. You know, you work at it every day. That 1D barrel racer, um, they're doing something every day to work at making themselves better, even if it's just going to get their self a massage or some extra TLC um, or, or jogging or running or lifting weights or stretching or doing yoga or Pilates. Um, it may not always be about being on your horse, but how you're taking care of yourself and eating and exercising and all of that to stay fit and healthy. Um, so those are all the things that you have to look at when you're talking about 1D. It doesn't come just by running 1D. It comes by all those extra things, those extra expenses, those extra things that you have to do. Um, it's not easy. And for a lot of people, you know, it's expensive to go up and down the road and they have to have a pretty good paying job or a um, pretty good uh, support system, you know, of other people that are supporting them, whether it be sponsors or spouses or family members. Um, it de definitely is not an easy thing to go at that level. It's, um, like I said, can be very expensive. Um, because I do this as a business, I keep track of everything and it's not just winnings and entry fees. It's all the other stuff, the care of the horse, you know, your farrier, you may be spending more money on shoes and things like that rather than just a trim. And, um, it's just a lot of stuff that you just really don't always think about. And that's why so often I think people are the bulk of people are in it 3d because for most people they're doing it as a hobby. Um, it's a passion that they have. They love horses. They love barrel racing. They love the social aspect of it. And while they have good horses that maybe put them in the 2D at smaller things and the 3D at super shows um, or whichever, you know, oftentimes when you're going to a jackpot that has 50 people versus something that has 300, you might bump down a half a second or, or a division just because of the level of entries and competition that show up with the added money and such. But those are all things to consider when you're setting your goals. Um, 
and realizing that it's definitely not just an easy thing to get there. Not only do you have all of that um, going on during the week and before and behind the scenes and before the event and all of that, but you also have that level of going for it when you compete too. Um, some people are literally there more on a social level and some people are literally there to win it, in it to win it. And you can see the difference in that focus. Um, you know, some people know they're just there to, to season a horse or just to get exposure for their horse. And it's not the time to pressure their horse. But those seasoned horses that have been there, done that, have got their uh education with speed and now they are solid and doing their best um, you see a whole different level with that person when they're in the holding pen or as they're approaching the alleyway that you know you it's really fun to watch that you know if you sit in the stands after your run and and watch those big dogs come in and how laser focused they are on what they've got to get done and how their horses respond to that so um and it's not nerves it's not pressure it is a calm confident focus and that is a hard thing to learn when you're first starting but it's something that you have to master in order to get to that next step and of course everybody chokes from time to time you know they don't have confidence in the pin or their ground or you know who's there or how their horse warmed up or how they felt or you know whatever there's always that time we've all choked mentally and then there's times where you felt like everything came together and, and you still had an off position or timing or whatever and and then there's times when things just don't go right and that happens to every barrel racer whether you're starting out or at the top of your game and those are the runs you need to just shake off and go to the next one now if it happens again that's the time to start you know well maybe I need to do a tune-up or get my horse checked out or whatever and then and then if it happens a third time slow things down get things right and go from there so anyways um I've I've been talking about you know 20 minutes here on this um and uh and I think that is just really what I wanted to um, to say on this. Um, I really think it is important when you're working with horses and people both to remember that um, beneath every behavior is a feeling and beneath every feeling is a need. So you really need to try to focus on what that need is. Um, not on the behavior because if you focus on the need you'll get to the root cause of whatever is going on and you're not focused on the symptoms but actually the cause of the bad behavior or the um, the emotion that your horse or people around you are giving you and then you can um, work towards uh, healing that and correcting that and so often with horses it can be a communication thing so an example would be if your horse didn't have a loose rein woe in the saddle so I would not just try to fix them in the saddle I'd go back in the groundwork and see if they will free lunge or lunge line and and stop off my body language and my voice and if they didn't I would definitely be doing some yielding of their hindquarters or yielding their front end or you know having them go left right forwards backwards and and get them really in tune to my cues and my voice and my 
my communication of body language and cues on the ground. And then when I got back in the saddle, if I go back in and work on my loose rainbow and they're not paying attention, um, when I exhale, take my legs off and put my hand down and say, whoa, as I sit deep in the saddle, then I would pick up my hands and let them be the wall and then let my seat and my voice and my legs back that horse a few steps. And then they'll start to learn that, okay, you know, my, they're not, the wrong answer would be just to pull on a horse. It's not stopping because all you're doing is doing their job for them. They're, you're not teaching them to stop off your cue. You're teaching them that, oh, I'm going to really apply a lot of pressure here every single time to get you to stop. And that's what we're trying to avoid. So the feeling and the emotion here is a horse who doesn't want to stop, but we need him to stop. So you got to evaluate how you could do that. And like I said, there's multiple things you could do in the saddle as well, like backing them up, um, yielding the hindquarters, rollbacking. There's so many things you can do besides pull harder on the reins. So that's one example. Another example would be a horse that maybe is really scared that horse could be just a really insecure horse and they need to have more time spent desensitizing on the ground, in the saddle, to new environments, all that long before you put them under the pressure of competition. That horse may become a horse with alleyway issues. And alleyway issues is another example of not paying attention to the uh, behavior and and respecting what the horse is trying to tell you um they're showing you a behavior they don't want to go in the alleyway but where is it stemming from don't just deal with the symptoms but find the root cause is it you know one the rider's getting nervous two the horse is getting super nervous three is it respect four is it pain you know pain could come from saddle fit from hawks from backs from uh, you know, the uh, teeth, it could come from stomach ulcers, bleeding lungs. There's so many ways a horse can be in pain. Um, the other thing is, are you pressuring them? Are you running their wheels off? Are you hauling them every weekend and running them multiple times and never doing any slow work or gate work or ever hauling just to gate or walk in and out the alleyway or walk around the arena instead of enter and run barrels? Um, or are you running them before they're ready, pressuring them too much too soon. So those are all really good examples of um, remembering that a bad behavior is a horse trying to express a feeling, an emotion, because they have a need. And again, um, you need to focus on the root cause, not the symptoms, in order to fix that. So um, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about... um, what it what all goes into becoming a 1d rider and having a 1d horse and um it involves horsemanship too and that part of it is a huge huge part of it um the people that have those 1d horses even if you paid a hundred thousand dollars for a 1d horse you still have to emotionally keep that horse happy mentally keep that horse happy and physically keep that horse healthy so there's just so many things that go into it that you have to be a horse person and very um aware of your team building with your horse your connection to your horse it is absolutely a connection and if you don't think it is that that team won't stay on top long if there's no connection so Um, So anyways, I hope for some of you that are out there, um, I want you to know that I respect 
people that are running 3D. I don't feel like you have to, or 4D, you don't feel like you have to sell your horse and move on. If you love that horse and you're gonna, you know, I'm that kind of person. I'm not gonna sell a horse because they're 3D and not 1D. Um, I get attached and my goals are different than, than others. So, um, I also believe that once a horse gives you 10, 15 years of competition, they deserve 10, 15 years of retirement out in your pasture being well cared for, not sent down the road where you don't know if they're being taken care of properly or ran while they're old and crippled and, and mistreated. So, you know, not everybody can do that. I really shouldn't do that, but I do do that. I have five horses and four of retirement age, three are totally retired, one semi-retired, and then I have one young horse. So so it's definitely expensive to have five horses. I'm not saying you, everyone can afford to do that. I, I just worry these horses that gave me so many amazing years of new time to beat or the winner is and all those, you know, connections and memories and that bond that we have just to not know that they're being a happy golden retirement life just wouldn't sit right with me. So, you know, I think you can rehome a horse and, and follow up and make sure they're okay. I think that can happen too. I think there's other options, but like I said, there is a whole different ball game between, um, if you're doing it for a competitiveness, if you're doing it for a, a business, um, a goal like, you know, to win pro rodeos or NFR or futurities at top levels, it's a whole different thing, but majority of people are 3d and 40 and just love their horse and love the sport and want to just enjoy it on the weekend. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with either one. It's just, um, I wanted to just take the time this podcast and and just clarify some of the differences that I see in the last 20 some years of doing this um and I I think you know you can be your personal best by adding some of those things that the 1d level people do and um and help yourself be more consistent at your personal best with your horse so I think it is a valuable tool to hear this and apply it where you can um but I also think you like I said have to be true to your heart and and what sets right with you and what your personal goals are for you and your horse so thank you for tuning in and as always ride with heart